1: Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us in these days that we live in. Remember, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Hey, everybody. We're, uh, we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible, from the Bible, look at global issues from a biblical perspective, and um, what we hear in church. And there is so much stuff that's going on, so many false voices out there. You know, it's great that we can turn to the Bible and get the straight scoop. And you know, when you take the Bible in context, what the, what the Bible says about particular topics, you're going to know what the truth is. And these days that we live in, it's so important that we know the entire council Of God's Word, not just the verses that support an idea or a thought or to make our denomination more popularized, but really what does the Bible say on those topics? And I think that's so important because, you know, as we see a world right now in free fall, now I want to tell you something real important. The world is not falling apart, it's falling into place. It's falling into place in that the Bible has already told us what the end time scenario is going to look like. Friends, I believe. We're in that end-time scenario based upon Luke chapter 21. And you may say, well, what's Luke chapter 21 say? It says that the generation that sees Jerusalem in particular come under complete Jewish control is the last generation. All these things that are written will come to pass. Friends, as we look at what we see going on in the world right now today, we have, of course, Russia threatening the United States, China indirectly threatening the United States, uh, North Korea directly threatening the United States. Uh, we have all these enemies, and we find the Middle East is a just a a cauldron of issues. The Bible says Jerusalem will be a will be a, a cup of trembling for the whole world. And friends, we see it right now today. The FBI director said, basically, to expect what we saw in Hamas. Uh, on Israel in America. We've had over 8 million, million, almost the size of New York City, 8 million illegal people enter our country since Joe Biden became president. Remember, all of them getting federal government assistance, your tax dollars, buying washing machines and dryers and clothes, thus driving the GNP that they're bragging about, how great it is right now, Well, that's all borrowed money. That's all really stolen money from the taxpayers to pay for all this stuff. But they don't know how many terrorists are in that 8 million number. And of course, our government lost the records. So we really don't know anything now. The FBI has issued these warnings saying, hey, we need to be extremely aware of the possibility of a Hamas-style attack right here within the borders of the United States. I didn't say it. The director of the FBI did. I watched him say it today. We're living in absolutely incredible times. If you've been reading your Bible, sharing with a friend, someone's asked you a question, give us a call. We'll do our very best to give you what the Bible says. 8888 Ask csn Joining me today, special guest and also end times... uh, Extraordinaire, up on things we have with us, of course, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, OC, Southern California, San Clemente. Hi and welcome.
3: Mike, great to be with you today, man. Exciting things going on around the world. And I love the, the opening line. We need to look up our redemption draws nigh and how important it is you know God hasn't given us a spirit of fear he's given us a of of a sound mind power sound mind we're not to be fearful of what's happening but rather we're to be faithful in the midst of what's happening we just keep looking up to the lord we keep sharing our faith and um but these are exciting times to be alive and i mean just think about it the lord has allowed us to be a part of church history being made right now. For some reason, Mike, for such a time as this, here we are living in these exciting days.
1: And we are. And it's absolutely amazing uh, what you see uh, going on in the world. I, I pray that uh, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this mm-hmm. today, that you would strongly consider your relationship with God. Because again, the Bible says in a moment, twinkling him and I, we find in First Corinthians 15, we're going to be changed. And the Lord's going to uh, take us to heaven. And then the world's going to get what it always wanted, a world without God. The Bible said it's going to be so bad that unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. We find this recorded for us in Matthew chapter 24. So we want to just let everybody know that I believe that this uh, great event, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I was, I was uh, talking with uh, Pastor Chuck Smith's son last night, Jeff Smith. And we were just talking about the end time scenarios. And he said, you know, Mike, wouldn't it have been great to walk the earth at the time that Jesus was on earth and to see the miracles that he did and to see all the things that the Old Testament prophets earnestly longed for to look in to see. And here's the Son of God walking on this earth. He said that would have been absolutely a grand time to have been alive. But then he said something I thought was really good. He said, but you know, you think about it, what we're living in right now is equally ex- exciting because the Bible speaks so explicitly of these days that we live in, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. When Jesus said that, there were no nations against nation. It was all the Roman Empire. Jesus futuristically was speaking of the days that we live in. And just as it was such a blessing to see these prophecies come true before their eyes when Jesus was walking this earth, so now as well we see the nation of Israel against incredible, impossible odds being born again on 1948. And then the rest of the city of Jerusalem, they got in 1967 to fulfill what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. And the rest of the prophecies about a one world order, one world government, one world monetary system, and and an individual to rule over all of this, the Bible calls the Antichrist. The world's going to call him the the Prince of Peace. They're going to call him the the, uh, Savior, uh, save the world. But the Bible calls him for what he is. He's the Antichrist and against everything that God does. And we're living, I believe, on the very edge and in this part. And Jesus said, when you begin to see these things look up, your redemption draws nigh. How exciting times that we live in. And, uh, you know, John, I know that I've been listening to your broadcast about what's going on right now in the Middle East on your program that comes on one hour before, To Every Man an Answer. And it's just really incredible to see these prophecies now just lining up so incredibly exactly
3: what Jesus said. It is. It's fascinating. You know, we've been reading about these things forever and teaching about them. And now to see some of these nations that are described in the Bible uh coming together, um, coal, you know, coalitions being developed and change, uh, exchanging of intel and weaponry, et cetera. I mean, these are things that you know they seem so far distant when you're you know so many years ago now they're they're we're I feel like like you said, we're on the edge, we're on the brink of these things happening and it's it it's just uh you know we always believed it, but now it's it's here and um i I know I just was sharing with our fellowship, you know and and again, people get fearful and they see these things happening and um but I just reiterated over and over to our church listen God has a plan He's always had a plan he is in control. he has a plan for Israel, and he also has a plan for your life. And so, uh, remember that. Keep that in mind. This is part of what Jesus said was going to take place. And so, again, we don't need to be fearful. We need to be faithful. But, man, we need to stay in the Word. And, and, and uh, listen, if you're not in a Bible teaching church, you need to be. Get somewhere. Get in one. Where yeah. Somebody's going to teach the Word of God and be able to instruct you um, from God's Word. Really important in these days, Mike.
1: Yeah, and real, real quick, you know, um, you know, we look at all the things the Bible says uh concerning the days that we're in it is not a time for any christian to be fearful i i outside of jesus if you're not a christian you need to be fearful because mm. i don't know what to tell you to do i don't know whether where to tell you to make an investment i don't know what to tell you to go to uh, leave the united states uh uh go find yourself a mountaintop in the in the rockies I, I don't know what to tell you but if you are a christian you have no need to fear for our God, Jesus said and in uh, Luke 21, don't fear any of these things because, again, he's got it under control. And that's the greatest news that any of us can have is to have that confidence that uh, um, we're going to be used by God in these last days. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have, uh, again, 8888 Ask sn the number to call. Got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. We have Travis, Lakeview, Oregon. Hi, welcome.
4: Hey,
0: Pastor. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, just want to call in and and get your take on, uh, you know, I'm 100% pro-Israel, support the Jewish people. <clears throat> I'm wondering if Bibi Netanyahu is a globalist, you know, part of the One World Order agenda. Um, to me, it's pretty obvious, you know, probably o- obvious to you, At the very least, you know, Israel stood down when Hamas attacked. Uh, You know, they got the greatest intelligence apparatus possibly in the world. And, you know, it's just, is this war another step towards their agenda?
1: Well, I I believe that, again, it's, uh, uh, you know, depending on how this aligns, right now the Democratic Party is deeply divided uh because so much of the democratic party is uh aligning with the terrorists the Hamas uh and whether it's a o c to be but these others that are there uh their radicalized left wing part of the democratic party uh is is uh really uh splitting the party in two now this is is a real issue because I don't believe Bibi Netanyahu is a globalist. I believe he's uh, pro-Israel, and he realizes that the things that are going on cannot continue to go on, like being shelled regularly. Now, this that happened on October 7th, it isn't that this is the first time Hamas has attacked Israel. Hamas has been shooting rockets into Israel for years and years and years. Uh, One here, one there, things like that. But never something like a 9-11 attack where they actually uh, cut the fences, came in, stole people for hostages. And, you know, Hamas, you know, big, strong, powerful, stealing babies. Maybe they found somebody at their level. I don't know. But whatever it is to take babies and women and children for your cause shows me how weak, how weak really ethically these people really are. And when you have to, again, when you have to think about the the whole picture, I've shared this before, but uh, since our news media hammers the American public every day uh, with this, I don't feel bad about repeating it every once in a while. But again, um, uh, Palestinians are not a race of people uh, like uh, Chinese or Jews. Palestinians are anybody that lived in the area When Israel became a state, there are American Palestinians, Jewish Palestinians, Chinese Palestinians, anybody that was living in the area, Arab Palestinians, they are who the Palestinians are. First of all, no one gave this Hamas group the right to say they're the only Palestinians. The second thing we find that is a real misnomer is saying, uh, uh, destroy Israel and the occupied territories that they hold. No, Israel won those territories in a battle where the Arab coalition came against them in 1967. They came against them to destroy them, and instead Israel beat them and took those areas that helps Israel defend its nation better. There are consequences to war. Somebody ought to explain this to our colleges like Yale and some of these others where they're out there protesting the streets, the occupiers. No, no, that's how insane they are. They lost that land, the Arabs did, in a war. Somebody needs to explain to them there are consequences for war. And when you start the war and you lose the war, Expect to lose ground. Technically, Israel owns all the Middle East because they won that six-day war. They own Lebanon and Syria and Egypt, Uh, all those countries that came against them. They really uh, have been really, uh, the American news media and colleges have been lying to people for so long, they don't even know what truth is. When you start a war and you lose a war, you lose territory, and that's what the West Bank is, and that's what the uh, that's what the Golan Heights are, and that's what really even the Gaza strip was. Israel out of kindness gave the suez uh, the the sinai Peninsula back to to uh, uh 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 egypt as a goodwill gesture all along the the uh Nile River there um interestingly enough. Egypt is not one that comes against Israel in this coalition battle in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Uh, and so, uh, oh, and by the way, neither does, neither does Saudi Arabia, which is Sheba and Dedan uh, listed there by name in Ezekiel 38. So um, th- those are a couple things. And and again, uh, the Palestinians are not a race of people. They're just people that lived in the area um they took land that they won in a war that they did not start in 67 and uh, so we have to uh, keep these things uh, uh foremost in our mind but i don't believe that uh bibi netanyahu is a world player i think he's playing for the nation of israel he's he's seen the devastation that happens when you don't defend your borders when you don't defend your nation and i believe that uh, He's very, very serious, and really, without regard to what the world uh, at this point say, well, uh, graduated retaliation. No, when you're at war, you're at war. You're there to win, not to fight a green war. Oh, think of the pollution. No, you're not fighting a green war anywhere where you fight a war. You're fighting to win. Your very existence depends on it. Your thoughts, John?
3: Well, I will say, Travis, in addition to what uh, Pastor Mike just shared, there is certainly a globalist agenda that is seeking to be furthered and you can look in every direction and see that it is so. I think maybe one of the themes even of our generation has been, uh, this desire for what they call a new world order. How can we bring the world together as one? And again, this, there's a problem that stands in the way of globalism really taking over the planet. And one of the the keys to globalism and this kind of, I would say, false unity and utopia that they long for, one of the things that stands in the way is in order to establish globalism, you have to eliminate systems of absolutes. That just stands in the way. And I can think of one, if you want to call it a system of absolutes, that would stand in the way of globalism. And that's Christianity. We, we stand in the way of that. But you know, one day that which stands in the way of achieving this false utopia is going to be removed when the church of Jesus Christ is caught up in the air to meet the Lord, as the Bible refers to as the rapture of the church, followed by that seven years of tribulation. During that tribulation, people will be longing for a leader to deliver them, to give them uh, direction, and they will have to come together and unite In a global effort with a one world currency, a one world governing system, etc. These are things that are they're just waiting for it to happen. The, The scaffolding that we could say has been put in place for this masterpiece of evil to be painted when the one world leader who's going to lead this uh, one world religious system, you know, revelation chapter 13 talks about this, gives us a picture of this beast rising up and these nations giving them their power and their allegiance. It's coming. It's a matter of time. Um, and so we're aware of it, But but I do believe that the church stands in the way at this moment.
1: So we're exciting times. I I, uh, I I believe that, again, Israel will be that cup of trembling to the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to fit in to this one-world order uh, the way they want it to. Uh, and this is what causes, I believe, the abomination which makes desolate. The Antichrist makes a one-world religion to unite the world together. The chrysalam, mm-hmm. the coexist idea, unites the world and then... He scraps it and declares to the world that he must be worshiped as God. And this is where Israel does not uh, capitulate to this idea. Jesus said, don't even go back in your house to get your coat. Run for the hill." The Antichrist is not going to be humiliated in the light of the entire world when Israel rejects him from being God. Now, this is going to be an interesting picture. It's in the middle of the tribulation And again, I believe exactly what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. Pray that you'd be able, uh, worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. We find that verse fulfilled in the future in Revelation chapter 5 where it says, Who's redeemed us from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation and there standing before the Lord, the church in heaven, watching the end time scenario unfold. You never find the church again on earth during the tribulation period. You'll find saints mentioned, of course, Revelation chapter six, and you'll find the elect mentioned in various places in Revelation. But the church, no, we're in heaven with the Lord. I love what John records for us in Revelation four one. I heard a voice talking to me like a trumpet, like a trumpet saying Come up here, and I'll show you what must be after these things. What things? The things of the church that he just described. That's what's going to happen after the church is gone. And friends, people are always saying, you Christians, you're always missing out on everything. You better believe it, and I'm so glad we are. Hope that helps, Travis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting cuz like you said with the Democrat party being divided, you also see the, you know, corporate mainstream media divided too, you know, some of them for Israel, some of them for uh, the terrorists. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. it's just interesting cuz I don't know if you ever seen the Albert Pike uh Dream of the Three World Wars.
1: No, but uh, uh I I I've heard of uh, uh George Washington's Uh, dreams and pretty amazing things that go on. Um, What what I think is important is that if the United States pulls its support of Israel because of the left's pressure on President Biden, I believe that that could set up very quickly this war that we're finding right now in the Middle East to become the 38-39 War of Ezekiel. Another possibility, friends, and I know this is hard, and I don't like telling people this, but if Russia does a surprise attack on America, and really they have been studying Lake Yellowstone, uh, the this a super volcano uh, that would devastate America if that was to erupt, and uh, you know, really, it, it's very possible that, uh, you know, a bunker-busting atomic bomb into Lake Yellowstone causing a supervolcano, causing a 13 15 oh, earthquake up and down the west coast of the United States. America's gone. Uh, then the United States won't come to Israel's uh, defense. Um, China then can easily take Taiwan. Russia, in their mind with the Arab neighbors, can easily scrub Israel off the map. And I think you would have the setup for the uh, Ezekiel 38-39 war very quickly. And you would also find the setup for a new global governance being America's gone. uh, The dollar standard is no longer. uh, I I can quickly see uh, that. So, and remember, the Bible isn't mentioned, uh, 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 the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy and this, to me, is a great concern because right now so much is hinged upon what America does. And then all of a sudden it's not here anymore. So, again, I take these threats by Putin extremely serious. I take these, these coalitions of Russia, China, um, the others uh, banning together against the United States uh, I see America at its weakest point probably uh ever since we've been a nation we we we're completely lacking any leadership um nobody in their right mind friends would allow would allow uh eight they they'll fess up to eight million illegal people in America in the last three years they'll they'll admit 8 million illegal people in our country. The number is probably double or triple that. Um, and uh, they don't know what's come across that border. So I think America is in a, a really uh, a very compromised position. We can thank our current administration for that. Um, and I, I, I just, work for the night is coming when no one can work. Be about your father's business. Let your light shine, man. Because, man, we're in these last days, the days, not saying the last days of the world, don't misunderstand me. The last days of of the world the way we knew it. Uh, Because I do believe that the idea of a one world governance, uh, just as the United Nations has announced in 2030 that they want to implement, um, this is fact. Go online. Yeah, say, oh, crazy Mike said that. No, go online. Check it out. Uh, World governance, United Nations, twenty thirty. Read it and weep. You see, they're not counting about uh, on, on America being powerful. No, they want to dismantle it, financially break it, and that's exactly what they're doing, everyone. And without any reservations whatsoever, they they don't care about. When you have AOC saying, we'll bring all the Palestinians here. Do you know Egypt does not want the uh, Palestinian refugees because there's the chance of too many terrorists in there? And AOC says, bring them all here. They're deliberately destroying your nation. And we just sit back and watch them do it. What a tragedy. You know, there's consequences for bad voting. America, you're reaping a whirlwind now. Hope that helps, Travis. Stay in line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus uh, and a couple other books. Uh, and I'll also send you 101 Last Days Prophecies as well. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to John, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Well, John, hold on. I, I We've been having such a good time here. You know, I, I John, I just get so excited about talking about end days because we've talked about it for 50 years, 75 years. People have talked about it since Jesus ascended to heaven. And now I think we're finally seeing the manifestation of these things. Coming up on a break, we'll have more right after this.
2: If you are 65 or older, you know this, watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare Open Enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833 833-90- 90 share.
4: In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear.
0: I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that A close encounter of the best kind in her womb. She will choose life.
4: Preborn Network of Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life.
1: Be back to part two of Terry Men and answer here on uh this tuesday afternoon with john randall i'm yours, mike kessler once again i want to tell you about trick no treat wait a minute god does have a treat for every one of us he's promised it in his word in a moment twinkling him and i will all be transformed and we'll be caught up to be with him in the air that's a real treat everybody no trick here yes the rapture is real If you find yourself reading the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, party time, man. And then the great judgment came upon the world, the flood. We're right before another great judgment falling upon this world called the tribulation period. And uh, I believe that God, as he provided a way of escape for Enoch, he's going to provide a way of escape for us before the flood. God will protect his Jews through the tribulation period. The Bible tells us that. I just want to be sure that you're ready to go when he calls. We were talking to John when we went to the break. John, what's your question? How can we help?
5: Blue, yeah. Uh, yesterday, I believe you were talking about Genesis one one, and you were talking about the the breakdown. Yes, uh huh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, saw, you said uh, you said L is one God, Ella is two, two Eloh is three, is three, mm-hmm. and and then I think you said that from that you have Elohim or the triad God. Yes, and so um, so my point is that. Uh, Elohim, it can be two. But the fact that it has im can definitely make it plural, but it also can be singular and that that suffix of im can convey an idea of majesty and supremacy. And so the, the reason we know that Elohim in Genesis 1-1 is singular in talking about one God is because if you go to that same verse, Genesis 1-1, in the Greek Septuagint, it says theos, which is singular. It's it's nominative singular in Koine Greek, and it means uh, the God. If, if it was plural, it, it would say "Toi Theoi," which is nominative plural for the gods. And so, I was just wondering, would you agree with that uh, reasoning point that based on that reasoning, that Elohim?
1: Not necessarily, and here's why. Because farther on in the chapter, it says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. All plural terminologies. Very important. We don't find a singular, let us. Let, let me make man in my image. It doesn't say that. It says, let us make man in our image. Very clearly, Jesus claimed to be God. We find this in John 8, 58. And it says that he claimed to be God. Uh, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the context for this is earlier, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. The Pharisees said unto him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And that's when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The word I am there is the word eagle amini. And it is the same in the Old Testament where when Moses was talking to the burning bush and he says, who shall I tell the Jewish people sent me? God said, tell them the I am sent you. So in Hebrew or in the Greek, the ego amini is the same. He is God. Then it says in John eight fifty nine, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because claiming to be God is a capital offense. That's why they crucified him. That's why they had such objection of, here is the king of the Jews above his head in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. They, they didn't like that. Jesus claimed to be God all along. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1, he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, what's important here is we look at this, there are those groups around that say, well, uh, that Jesus was only the son of God, or he was Michael the archangel, or I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, we're all Jesuses. Well, no, the Bible said he is God, but there's also the father as well. In 1 John 2.22, it says, he that denies the father and the son hath the spirit of Antichrist. So to go back to your question then, I have to conclude, based on the rest of Scripture and Genesis chapter 1, letting us make man in our image according to our likeness, I have to conclude that is speaking there of a triune God. John, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think the most difficult thing about the Christian concept of the Trinity is that there's no way for us to perfectly, completely understand it, because first of all, God is infinite. And we are finite. I come to the scriptures with a, with the premise of passages that say some of God's ways, they're, they're past finding out who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor. There's certain things that, that are beyond my ability to fully comprehend. And I would say that the trinity. Uh, is one of them. It's it's impossible for any human being. Any illustration that you want to use to try to help someone understand, that might help a little bit, but it doesn't fully understand the the weight of of the the triune nature of God. God is greater than we are. And, and the Bible teaches, and here, so I go to what scripture says, the Bible teaches that the Father is God, that Jesus is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. And yet the Bible also teaches that there is only one God. I accept it it's what it says. The three are one, but all of the attributes that are divine are attributed to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is incomprehensible to the human mind. But Mike, I have found as I've walked with the Lord for over 30 years, that there are many things about God's character and God's nature that I don't fully understand, but I accept it because of the fact the Bible says it. And one day, I'm, although I see dimly right now, I see, you know, through, I don't fully comprehend it. One day I'm going to see him and I'm going to be like him because I'm going to see him as he is. And then that which is complex and beyond my ability to fully comprehend, I will understand. And so I just, I receive it. It's what it says.
5: So I take it for what it says as well. Hope that helps. Yeah. So, um, I mean, because would you say that the Septuagint is in error then? Because if you, if you go to Exodus, verse 3 where it says you should not have other gods before me in the Hebrew Masoretic text it uses Elohim talking about plural gods and once again we know it's plural because if we go to that same verse in the Septuagint it uses seoi and we know that that's nominative plural in Greek meaning gods and so we see that we have confirmation in the Masoretic text and confirmation in the Septuagint
3: for Exodus. John, I guess my, John, maybe the second. just pose a question to you. What is it that you're driving at? What are you, what is, the, what is the question behind the question? What are you, what are you suggesting by, you know, quoting the Masoretic text and, and looking at the plural form? I mean, what, what is it that you're, are you, are, what's your background? What, what's your, your real question there?
5: Well, I, I'm just saying that wouldn't you agree that you would need confirmation from the Masoretic text and the Septuagint to then make the conclusion, because we know Elohim. Can what what is the
3: conclusion? Singular. Do you mean like that? That do, you, that do you believe in the Trinity? Is that was that what you believe? Or
5: no, I, I'm just I'm just saying, is this a possibility? I, I'm just taking okay. like you like you fellows say, I, we're just taking the text, and I'm just saying, I know that Elohim can mean singular or. Plural. Well, there,
1: there's your answer right there. You said can. See, the, 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 uh, again, <clears throat> this is one of the things we have to do when we look at the Bible. And this is how cults get started. Because they'll take something like this, disregarding all the other verses in the Bible that speak of Jesus being God. Or, or um, uh, we find in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 5, where it says, you have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. And then it says they lied to the Holy Spirit, calling the Holy Spirit God. So this is how the cults are started. They take a few verses, assemble them in a very disjointed way can mean or may mean or whatever, form an entire cult upon it, and then sell this as this is a new revelation or a correct interpretation, where it disregards the other verses in the Bible that speak of, as an example, Jesus' deity, or fail to recognize that there is a heavenly father. We remember that, again, we have the modalism of the Jesus-only group that says there's no heavenly father, there's no Holy Spirit, there is just Jesus only. Well, when Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. There you have a triune God right there. Okay, now, the thing is, they say, oh, no, no, no. And they make up some weird excuse why this isn't this. Uh, and all the way through, this is how they're started. And this is what I'm saying as I even started the program today. Look at all of what the Bible says, who God is. There are places very clearly in the Bible that Jesus identifies himself as God. Uh, again, um Uh, One place he says, he says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He's not saying he's the Father, but Jesus was the express image of the Father. If you want to know what the Father in heaven is like, you look at a manifestation in a human body called Jesus Christ, gives us who that is. And I believe this is where the problems come from. Because when we get into, well, this and the Septuagint may mean, well, right there we run into trouble because it violates the rest of Scripture in 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 telling us who this god is john any last thoughts
3: no, I just think I think it's a valid point that we're we're looking at here. I was thinking of, you know, you go to Genesis 126, as you mentioned, let us make man in our image. You go to Genesis 322. Behold, man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. You go to Genesis 117. Come, let us go down and confuse their language. You go to Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I mean, so it's pretty clear. You just you just accept what it says. and it, And Elohim is used in the plural form. Um, in pronoun as well as noun uh, throughout the scriptures. And so I just, I take it for what it says. And I do believe that it implies and points to the triune nature of God, which again, I don't fully comprehend, but I'm thankful for it. I believe it. I teach it as the word of God says it.
5: Hope that helps, John. Yeah. I mean, I would say Elohim is also used um, in the singular as well. And so it really is
1: up to. Well, there you go. Yes, I I agree. I agree with that. Uh, But to say it's every time that way, that's where the issues come from. And so, like I say, John, I I think there's ample verses uh, there. You'll find uh, Yahweh in the Old Testament saying, I'm Alpha and Omega beginning in the end. You'll find Jesus Christ in Revelation 22 saying, He's Alpha and Omega beginning in the end. So we find this all the way through. And by the way, let us is not speaking of angels. Angels do not create. They just don't. This is something God reserves for himself. Angels are messengers, warriors, protectors, but we never find them creating. Hope that helps. Stay online, John, if you like. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, the movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke. Very, very good. I think you might enjoy that. And we got a lot of calls here, so let's go to Daniel, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome.
4: Uh, um, God bless y'all, and uh, thanks for what y'all do every day. And uh, stand with Israel and pray for them as well. Amen. Uh, my question was uh, Genesis 25, verses 22 through 24. And Rebe- Rebecca is barren, and Isaac prays to the Lord for her to conceive. And then uh, she inquires of the Lord, it says, and two nations are in her womb. And the two peoples will be separated from her body. Mm-hmm. Is these two nations? I've had this discussions amongst others. Are these two nations that they're referring to? Is that one of being the Jewish nation, Jacob, and Esau being of the Arab nation?
1: Well, we know the Arab nation really came from um, Ishmael, and and uh, that's the the father of the the Arabs. Um, and uh, but we do know that um, Esau, hairy red guy, um, uh, he he uh, had a whole group of people after him too. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, the you know Jacob would end up getting the covenant blessing, and eventually his name would be changed from Jacob to Israel, um, and of course the twelve tribes came from Jacob, where Esau was the descendant of a group called the Edomites. And the Edomites became enemies of Israel um, throughout their days. They were often uh, against one another. And these were the descendants of Esau. I think to, to be clear that the more Arab nations would be those that, um, you remember Abraham and Sarah, you go back a little bit further in Genesis, and Abraham and Sarah were waiting for a child and um, they couldn't have one so they decided to help God out and they ended up uh, um Abraham had a relationship with Hagar their Egyptian maid and from Hagar and Abraham came Ishmael and the descendants of Ishmael are the ones who I would say led to the Arab nations and would fight against uh the descendants of Isaac later on and so that's kind of where that breaks down there the descendants of Ishmael who have a who have a link to Abraham would would be those other nations. It's funny because, you know, Ishmael or it's interesting I should say it's the descendants of Ishmael were fighting with the descendants of Abraham back then uh with Isaac and they're still battling it out today. Amazing how one decision can affect everything. Um so it's it's a good question that you that you asked there Daniel, but I think that would be in reference to the Ishmael the descendants of Ishmael as uh, instead of Esau.
4: So I hope that helps. For the clarification. Yeah that's great. Thank you all
3: well, God bless you,
1: and stay online, Daniel. We'll send you the movie Jesus, uh, time to grow, and uh, evolu- let's see. Uh, we've got, um, uh, yeah, we've got some videos for you. We'll send those to you. If you stay online. <laughs> we'll get the we'll get you fixed up. Uh, God bless you. Let's go to Raphael. I don't know what <laughs> you know. It, it's funny this this day is uh, mm-hmm. is pretty crazy. Um, And I I, I didn't talk to you about this, John, but but, uh, we had a festival alternative over the weekend from Mm -hmm. 1 to 4. When I got up in the morning, it was about 16 or 18 degrees. Overcast looked like it was. I said, there's nobody going to show up today for this. (laughs) And I mean, we had bounce houses. We had food vendors. It's almost like a mini county fair. Right. And um, uh, we prayed, uh, and uh, at lunchtime we were freezing. Uh, we fed all the, the uh, people that helped us put this on, and, and uh, the sun came out. And we had over 1,000 people show up. 560 Bibles were given away, uh, mm. a, about the same amount of tracts uh, with the salvation prayer on them as well. Awesome. And it turned out to be a really great day. And, you know, I look at that and I just realize that, you know, something where the world is looking for a reason to be, a place to go, we always want to say, hey, hey, the blessing is over here Mm -hmm. and and, uh, encourage them to do that. Again, let your light shine everywhere you can. Let's go to Raphael Bakersfield. Hi, welcome. Hello, it's uh, in Palmdale, California. Oh, I'm sorry. I Bakersfield on my line here, but that's okay. Yes. California, Southern California. Yes. How you doing? Good. How many wheel?
4: Uh I just want to make a comment. I believe it's equal 38 and it's equal 39. It's the Armageddon war. Armageddon?
1: No, it's not. <laughs> no, there's a lot of reasons why it's not. And let me explain to you very quickly, Raphael, why it's not is the Ezekiel 38-39 war. It says in Ezekiel 39 they're going to be burning the weapons for seven years. The tribulation period is only seven years long. They're not going to be burning the weapons that Israel takes in this great coalition that comes against him, including Russia, Ethiopia, Libya, the Balkan states, Persia, which is Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan, all those they're not going to be burning those weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. In fact, the Bible says at the time that Jesus comes back to this earth, the earth is so decimated that he has to make things new again. So they're not going to be burning, you know, barrels of, of uh, you know, fuel from the tanks, stuff like that for heat. No, it's going to be a whole new environment. So it cannot be, the Ezekiel 38, 39 war cannot be there in during the time of Revelation. Ezekiel 38:39 war is not the Battle of Armageddon. Very clearly the Bible says 200 million armed soldiers come across from the east and in the original Greek, the, the word from the land of the East is the land of the rising Sun, which interestingly enough, China and Japan both had on their flags. When Paul uh, when John wrote that, there wasn't 200 million people on earth. And yet a standing army of 200 million, which China said a few years ago, a few decades ago, that they have a standing army counting their reserves of 200 million. This is not the Ezekiel 38-39 war. Because China, the land of the east, is not mentioned um, in the Ezekiel 38 war. So this is why I have to reject uh, that and also the burning of weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. John, your thoughts?
3: Well, I think the battle of Armageddon is at the end of the tribulation period. It's very specific. And Jesus is coming back with believers. We're coming back with him. He's riding on a white horse. We are also accompanying him. And the Bible gives us a picture of the Lord as he comes. And it was a sharp sword proceeds out of his mouth with it. He will strike the nations that are gathered there in the valley of Jezreel, the battle of Armageddon, a a different battle. Uh, than the one that is described, I would agree with you uh, that is described in ezekiel thirty eight it's it's a different battle that will take place. They both will occur, but they are not the same thing
1: and, and they both have um, uh, you know of course uh, major changing effects on everybody around them this this uh, mm-hmm. ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war the Bible says the whole world will be hollowed when God fights for Israel, and no one fights for Israel during that time. And so, again, those time markers are very important that God put in Ezekiel 38 and 39, especially 39, so that we would know that that is not during the tribulation period, but that they'll be burning the weapons. And we find that tribulation starting, Revelation 6, a guy going out on a white horse, conquering and to conquer. To bring a bow with no arrows, the Bible says. Diplomatically, initially, and then using force to unite the world as one. The Bible says two third, or excuse me one quarter of the world's population dies in this global conquest of the Antichrist. There's going to be death, and there's going to be famine that will happen. There's going to be many martyrs. This is all in Revelation chapter 6 in the very first part of the tribulation period. And remember, Revelation is pretty much written in exact order. The reason why. Because during the tribulation period, you're going to be required to die for your faith. Very clearly, it says that they were martyrs that came up. uh, They were gathered under the altar, Revelation 6. And the reason why I believe it's so important to have a play-by-play action is so people who believe in Christ during the tribulation will have factual evidence for their faith. In other words, okay, this is the next thing that's going to happen. And then this is the next thing that's going to happen. And everything follows exactly what the Bible says. And then when you're challenged to die for your faith, knowing that the word of God is true and what salvation is and who Jesus Christ is, yeah, I'll die for for what I believe because I know the word of God is true. I see it manifested every day during the tribulation period. Now I'm speaking about those people that become Christians during the tribulation period. Not the church. Those are the saints. But the church is in heaven. And again, not on earth. Raphael, I hope that helps. Um, well, Ezekiel thirty-nine four
4: says the Lord's going to feed him to the ravenous birds of every sort. Yeah, And Armageddon also, they're going to feed him to the birds.
1: Yep, they're going to be eating very well in the last days, aren't they?
4: 39 uh, says that. thirty-eight Yeah, and 30 yeah but that
1: doesn't say it's the same one. See, that's... We can't make assumptions, and and I know it's tempting to do that, but the rest, the rest of the battle does not line up. It just says that there's going to be so many dead, both from the Ezekiel 38-39 war and the Battle of Armageddon. Very clearly, if you read the Battle of Armageddon, you'll clearly see that it is not the Ezekiel 38-39 war. Uh, Because it's all about a whole different scenario there. So that's why we we know that it's a different picture altogether. And yes, I do believe, just as you said, Raphael, the birds are going to be eating well on these couple of battles for sure. Hope that helps. Okay. God bless you. Stay on line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. And very quickly, I think we can get one more calling. We have one minute. Daniel, you're on the line. Georgia, one minute. How can we help?
4: Yes, uh, I know English and Romanian, uh, and this verse in Bible is different in these two languages. That when Jesus is talking about this generation, uh, I was wondering all the time, why did not Jesus say, that generation, not this generation, if it was referring to a generation in the future.
1: Very, very quickly, because you, you realize that when Jesus was describing what he was describing there in Luke 21, those things were not happening at the time when Jesus said that. This generation, speaking of the generation that sees these things, John, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I agreed with you. He's talking about the generation that's going to actually behold the things that he's talking about. Remember in that Olivet discourse, which, uh, is recorded in, in Matthew's gospel here, also in Luke's gospel, Jesus was answering specific questions from the disciples concerning, uh, the, the questions were, when will these things happen? The destruction of the temple. What will be the sign of your coming? That's the second coming. And finally, the end of the age, which denotes currently the earthly order and the end of the world. That generation that see, those are the ones he's talking about something in the future.
1: Amen. So hope that helps. Daniel, out of time, stay in line. If you like, send you out the movie Jesus, a uh, couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy the rest. Please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Thanks, John, so much for being on. God bless you all. Keep looking up. To find out more
2: about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.